Welcome back to the Marvel Movie Minute, a daily podcast in which we assemble to explore the films of the Marvel Cinematic Universe one minute at a time. In this, our sixth season, we are looking at the Avengers. I'm Andy Nelson from the Next Real Film Podcast. And I'm Pete Wright, and finally, the secret is unleashed! <laughs> That's right. Today, we are talking about Minute 112, which begins with this all-seeming horrible and ends with an important lesson in duck and cover. Back on the show today, we have Eric Deutsch. Eric, hello. Hi, I have a secret, but unfortunately, I can't tell you because then all your listeners will know the secret. So I have to keep it to myself. <laughs> oh, yes. No, that's important. We're not alone. Like a real secret. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this uh, is the reason that you really picked these two minutes. This is Bruce finally giving his secret away. Uh, he is always angry. It is a fantastic minute. It's a fantastic character moment for him here. But I want to start all the way back at the beginning of this when we get uh, Bruce Banner's arrival with, so this all seems horrible. And I just, you know, going back to uh, Tignataro's uh, style, we've talked about this a lot, the style of, and, and it fits so perfectly in the Marvel franchise of having action, 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 and then a hard shift to a comedy beat or, or uh, you know, that sort of thing. And this is a perfect example of that. I mean, wh what do you two think of this, the way that this uh, shift to bring Bruce back into the fold works? Yeah, I don't think Eric. If we had you talking about a a, a Tignataro dialogue, I think you, I think this is your first. I, I I mean, I was also in this the the uh you know that man is playing Galaga scene. Uh, but I don't. Yeah, oh, I that's don't, right. But that's I don't know right. that we like specifically talked about that specifically because a lot of that was Robert Downey Jr. ad living. Yeah. Right. I, yeah, I couldn't remember if there was something in the forest that also was this way. I like it's very much like at the beginning when Natasha is being tortured and then suddenly the phone rings and like the dramatic music stops. Like it's a moment that I think plays really well. And this is just another example of that. I, I like the way that uh, and also I think it just helps so much that we have Mark Ruffalo just kind of in that rumpled state of his that he kind of brings to Bruce. It just feels like you know, he's acknowledging everything that's happening and it's a perfect it's a perfect description really of everything going on, but it's also just so incredibly funny. Yeah, I mean that's that's one of the things that he does really I, I think really well, Tig, is is to be able to call out absurdity incredibly efficiently, right? Like it in his dialogue. That's what these comedy beats do for me. Like this looks horrible. Or uh, and it also gives us that sweet twist. Like it's okay. We could use a little worse, right? That that they get to have just that little bit of reflection about what happened to, when he hulked out on the helicarrier and it serves as an apology and a pivot into the role that he is to serve here today right now. And and it's uh, I I think to me it works really really well. Well, that's a great place to pivot anyway with this, because this is this moment of apology between uh, Natasha and Bruce when Bruce apologizes to her because she says, I've seen worse. And he says, sorry. And she's like, it's OK. We could use a little worse. Is it OK? Does it play OK? Is like she's OK with with what happened as long as the ends justify the means a and the fact that he says sorry, does that also imply that he kind of knew everything that was going on. I, th I think, yeah, I, th I think him, you know, even though there's the whole, you know, Banner and Hulk, two different people, or, you know, two, are they one person? Are they different people? Hulk hates Banner, you know, et cetera, et cetera. It's, you know, Banner at least taking responsibility, you know, for, you know, 
maybe we're different, but we're also the same. I have a problem with the I've seen worse line itself, though, because, no, this is worse. The Hulk rampaging on the helicarrier is not worse than a full-scale alien invasion of the planet Earth. You know, this, <laughs> it's just, she has not seen worse. This, this, this is worse. Yeah. Well, I, I don't know, Eric. I mean, part of it for me, the way I read that line is that it goes from global, this is horrible, to deeply personal. And, you know, to, to me, when she says I've seen worse, she's, she's not referring to what's going on right now in New York. She's talking about the fact that it was, it, it was likely a terrifying thing to have this unknown green rage monster in that confined thing and actually chasing her. Like that's to me that, that, that feels like an okay pivot. I never, I never really stopped to, that never really took me out of the scene. That's actually interesting. I, I guess I can see it both ways where there is some illogical reaction for, for her to say, I've seen worse when she's, you know, having gone through everything that she's just gone through. Um, clearly it's, it's likely all been worse than a backhand from, from Hulk. Like it's, it's, you know, as you said, Eric, global scale disaster with aliens attacking, like it's not good what's happening right now. Technically three block scale, but who's picking? <laughs> <laughs> but I, I do think that, you know, to your point, Pete, there is something about that shift. It, it, it's almost like she's just she's poking him in a way to say, you know, you're you're pretty horrible, too. And you know, but I'm glad I, you're here. But I'm glad you're here. Yeah, it, it's an interesting way that they kind of craft the the lines there to bring kind of bring this apology out the one thing that i do wonder though is uh, should thor also be saying hey but what about me <laughs> let's remember he was probably beat up a little more than even natasha was yeah on the helicarrier. He, he was quite literally beat up yeah for sure Knowing that all the the relationship that we develop with Hulk and Thor over the kind of the remaining films, I really would love to have something here that was kind of the start of those little digs. Like, wait, what about me? Like, I was hit too, and but like Bruce ignores him. You know, like that kind of was the thing that kind of started this whole thing between the two of them. Well, you know, it's it's interesting too to me that when we have. All of the conversation about Loki and like when he says, oh, when Cap is giving the conversation about Loki, he needs to keep the fight focused on us. It does feel to me a little bit weird that it's Cap giving those lines only because it's Thor that would know Loki's intentions better than yes. just about everybody. Yes. Right. Yeah. Right. And and so I, I only bring up yesterday's minute because that leads us here where Thor is effectively, I mean, he's not speaking. He's neutered in this minute, right? He doesn't really, really have much to yeah. do. And coming off of last minute where he really should have had more to do, it's just, it, it's a noted miss that, that he's not brought in. I just want to say, Pete, yesterday's minute, we, we managed to kind of close that, that loop that had been left open. And Eric was very, uh, congratulatory yeah and you are just you're just going into it again and you're did just i i broke it pulling those stitches that's what you said again. i broke it okay good fine i did it i did it what do you want me to do i did it well I broke hold it. on no i'm gonna i'm gonna save you guys no because i i i think the closed loop still works it's just if thor had said the line of the cap then it would have been better but i but the reasoning still works though 
So I think okay, it, so I think it's, it's a tighter good. knot. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> tighter knot. Right. It's a double knot if Thor says it's a single knot. <laughs> Yes, thank God. <laughs> but at least uh, it's tied. Yes, That's yes. The important thing. All right, all right. Okay, we now have uh, Steve relaying to Tony that Bruce showed up, and and Tony has kind of seemed to have this sense that this was going to happen, as Captain America said, just like you said. What is going on with that? Like, how do you read this? Was Tony just kind of like? always just hoping did was it some internal like from their rom-com scientist meet cute he just knew that he was going to be there when he needed him like what exactly is it that tony like why did tony expect this i don't know because in watching this minute and making my notes i was trying to think of if i had forgotten a conversation or a line of dialogue from earlier in the movie since i didn't watch watch the entire movie for this that's somehow related to that. So I was actually not really getting that statement. You did not miss anything. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I think we can close the book on that. Yep. This is fresh loose ends. So Uh-oh. awesome. Hooray. I, you know, I, I feel like part of it is that uh, to me, at least that it indicates that there is something, there is a world that exists beyond what we're seeing on screen one and that Tony and, Cap are in it together, too, and that there is some indication that we should also understand that everybody knew Bruce would come around because Bruce is ultimately a good person and is able to challenge the his inner demon uh, in order to do the right thing. Is that a, at all a fair proposition? <laughs> <laughs> sure. Well, that was a toss-off, sure, if I've Why ever not? heard it, Deutsch. Uh, <laughs> well, no one else was talking, so I, I, I wanted to say something. Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. I mean, I, I think that you can... Yeah, it, I, I don't know. <laughs> I I, have, I just have a hard time. I, I, can, I guess I can see it... I, I don't know. Honestly, the only the thing that uh, my head goes to is that Tony is the tech guy and he because it, clearly it seems like everybody has has earbuds at some point to communicate. I don't know if Bruce does. We're not necessarily going to see that. But it did make me wonder if there was something that he was using to somehow track him. And so he knew he was on the move. Like, it's I don't know. I Oh, yeah. Maybe. I like the no prizes trying to solve this whole thing. But I, it's like. <laughs> It's, I just never get it. <laughs> I'm going to go get that no prize tattooed on my arm right now. We've given out so many no prizes this season. Yeah, the yeah, we don't have any left. All right. Well, I, I mean, it is it it is what it is. I I I kind of like having it in my head that they that they believed it, that Bruce was capable of something more, um, and that he wasn't entirely lost in his in in the rage machine and that but you know so if there is anything that's gonna that makes me a little bit crazy about this minute and and i will say unironically i love this minute so so much i've watched this this uh, this character transformation uncountable number of times like i just i love this minute it gives me the chills unironic chills every time i watch it even 60 seconds at a time but it is I, I can't stop thinking about the fact that this this marks kind of uh, uh, is yet another data point in the march toward Hulk becoming Professor Hulk. And that character I don't appreciate as much as Crazy Hulk. And 
here we are. Like, here we are. Somewhere in here, he becomes a Hulk that takes orders. And (laughs) it's though it's inevitable. I mean, that's and I think that's the challenge, not just here in the film, but I think look at the history of Hulk through the comics. I think they are consistently going to have struggles with, well, how do we integrate him as a character if he's always this rage monster into a team? Like, how can we make that work? And so you can tell that they're constantly trying to juggle that in whatever form Hulk takes. I totally appreciate that. Eric, were you a reader of uh, Hulk comics? I can't remember. Uh, No, I was not. Um, I never collected his solo book. So, you know, my knowledge of Hulk came from the big Marvel-wide limited series like Secret Wars or Infinity Gauntlet or when, sure. or when he'd appear in, in a Spider-Man comic or something. Well, I mean, it's fun, and it's it, the the transformation is, I think, one of those moments that is uh, very impactful, and it works incredibly well in the film. Especially, you know, we we have him say the line, and and then you cut to that shot of him as he's turning, and we just see him... In slow-mo, it's kind of like this is a great speed ramping shot because he does the transformation kind of in slow-mo. And then as his fist is swinging at the Leviathan, we ramp up back to normal speed as he hits it. And it just, uh, you know, plus the, I mean, the Alan Silvestri, like, beats are hitting in there. It's just, I mean, it's a, it's a fantastic moment. Well, I think also just, you know, it, it, it's funny right before he turns, you know, Steve seems a little concerned that, he's not actually going to turn into the Hulk. <laughs> you know, he's like, uh, you know, now would be a good time to do this. It's like, yeah, yeah, he, Steve, he knows what he's doing. You know, I, I know it looks like he's a little casual and he's taking things, maybe, you know, uh, uh, taking his time, but he, he knows what his job is. Don't worry about it, Steve. I, it, that is a fantastic moment. And, and we, we I, I definitely would come back to the to Tony and bring in the party as he kind of comes around the corner with the Leviathan. I want to come back to that. But I do want to like that that whole bit of the Leviathan as it I, I don't know what it's doing at this particular point, deciding to belly flop along Park Avenue. Like it's, it's, it's the strangest thing that it, I don't know why it decides to come quite so low, but it does as it's chasing after Tony. Um, but it's, I don't know, there's something great about that moment of just like, of that, the wide shot. I mean, I guess Bruce is like, Bruce and Steve are up toward the camera, but you see the Leviathan like way down there as it's just kind of like dragging itself along the avenue as, as uh, he's walking up toward it. Like uh, the, the patience that he has and everything, like it's just such a great moment because you know exactly where the moment's headed. Yes. And do you ever stop to think like, what if he timed it? (laughs) a second too late like it at what point is he impermeable to this thing when he punches it like if would his hand have turned to jelly if it were like two seconds earlier like what would it what would that look like i stop and think about that all the time well it's it's hulk though and i think i mean just the fact that you know he put a bullet in his mouth and the other guy spit it out like i think transformations are fast i think it's it can be instantaneous i think yeah I think if anything, it just would have been his balance would have been off and, and he would have just been knocked back and, and not been able to kind of like uh, brace himself quite as much as he does. And we see that all the it. time in like in uh, Ragnarok when he's fighting the dog at the end. Like there's a bunch of that kind of stuff. Yeah. All right. I want to jump back real quick just to Tony rounding the corner with the Leviathan, because this is the second time we are now seeing Tony coming around the corner of uh, Three Park Avenue and taking out a chunk of it. We saw this in minute 110 when he does the U-turn here. 
And what's interesting is that this version of the building that we have when the Leviathan kind of cuts through the corner of it uh, is a much more accurate representation of what the building looks like than what we actually see two minutes ago in 110. Like, the building doesn't quite look right in that. And I think it speaks a lot to probably plate shots and, you know, CG city renders and stuff like that, where they just had the building. I mean, it's a different angle we're looking at, but different look to the building entirely. And the only disappointing thing is that as we get to that minute of Bruce as he's walking toward the Leviathan, you can see one chunk taken out, but really we should see two chunks taken out of that building by this point. We should. That's an interesting thing. And I actually it's, I started to wonder if maybe that building that we saw two minutes ago was actually a building in Cleveland. <laughs> well, you know, I'm scrubbing maps right now for that building. Cleveland Where? is not as big as New York. It won't take very long. It's got to be there somewhere. All right. So the Leviathan. So so Hulk hits the Leviathan in the face. The Leviathan kind of flips up. Its entire body is kind of like thrown up over it. It's kind of very much like the semi-truck flip in the Dark Knight, where you hit the front and then the whole thing, the whole back end comes flying over the top of it. <laughs> I'm a little skeptical about the way all of this plays, because it all of its armor starts popping off, which gives Tony the chance he needs to actually hit its uh, underbelly, and he blasts a missile into it and blows it up. But we've already seen huge pieces of armor collapsing off of this thing's body, and then it explodes, and I. the only thing that I can imagine is that Tony's missile disintegrates everything? I, I don't know how, like, our entire team isn't buried by armor, really. by I mean, the, as it's going up, it looks like so many armor pieces are falling, and they're going to land right on the people below. I don't know. I mean, do, is that something that, that ever crosses your mind as you're watching this? Or is it just the movie-by-minute format that's killing this for me? I think this is a movie by minute thing. Um, <laughs> I, I, I mean, listen, I'm guilty. Of it. I'm, I'm guilty of it all the time. Um, but because you know, I think if you're just watching it in real time, the one time you're just assuming everything. I, you know, I mean, the thing is, it's only Tony's in the air, so it's only and and Hulk is like right next to it. So there's only the other four Avengers that are standing like in a you know right next to each other. Cap puts up his shield. Uh, you know, Thor could probably spin his hammer fast to generate some kind of vortex like he does in the comics to, you know, blow everything away. Uh, and if Hawkeye's standing next to Thor, he's protected by that vortex. Uh, if anything, it would be like worm guts, really. I would it's be more concerned good. about Well, you know? yeah. there should be plenty of that, yeah. too. I just think, like, when we go from the overhead shot looking straight down at around second fifty one fifty two, and then we cut to that very next shot uh, where we're kind of seeing the body of it coming up, and we see the very, the the lowest part of the worm for us right at the front, all of that armor just drops off of it. And that's the, that's the thing I'm wondering, like, that stuff all should have, like, crushed them. They should all be... In fact, maybe there's enough gaps in it where they could have hid under the armor and actually been protected. Yeah. Might have made actually more sense. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, right. They should be crushed. Yeah, Yeah. you're right. Armor, goo, there should be plenty of stuff after this explosion. And and I also agree both of these things are true, that it's it's a movie by minute curse. Yes. And it looks cool at the same time. It looks so cool. This Leviathan. It looks so cool. It's great. This whole minute. 
it's it's uh, again fantastic. I just want to remind our listeners: this Leviathan is not in control of its own body; it is being controlled by evil Chitari overlords up in the mothership, and this is basically a sea cow, and it it's is. trying to find help from the people around it. And unfortunately, everybody just keeps killing it because it has pointy teeth. It's very yeah. sad. Very it's sad actually plight. vegetarian. They just eat. They just eat plants. He was feeding. That's what he was doing there. He's like, finally, there's some greenery. Look at look at all these trees in front of me. He wanted to be in the fields that Hulk and Thor were in after they (laughs) fell. fell. That's all he wanted. He wanted the grass. He was was just looking for Jersey the whole time. (laughs) In fact, that explains why, like you said, why is he doing this weird belly flop so close to the ground? He's grazing. He sees the and the boulevard on Park Avenue is is divided by bushes and trees and grass. Oh, yep. look! It's dinner. See, yeah, yeah this exactly. is much. He's much more of a blue whale cruising through <laughs> the universe, searching for baleen, rather through his through shrimp, through his little baleen. Like that's yeah. what he's doing. He's just eating his plants. That's right. We figured it out. And then Bloody. they kill once him. again. And then they kill him. Yeah. They just don't understand. Just wait till the one dies later uh, in Grand Central. I That's a horrible death. Horrible. It's just horrible the way they treat these poor things. And they keep reminding us of it in later movies. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, I, you know, the other thing is the entirety of this, of this uh, Leviathan getting blown up. And uh, again, presumably pieces of it are falling onto the viaduct. These viaducts, these New York strong viaduct. I tell you, hashtag New York Strong Viaduct. <laughs> this thing, this thing is intense. They never fall. They never fall. That's right. Uh, that's it for today's minute. Uh, fantastic talking with you, Eric. Thank you so much for joining us. We have one more opportunity to talk with you, and I can't wait for that one. It's going to be fun. So that's it. Uh, tell everybody again about your podcast and where they can tune in. So, uh, co-host of Flash Gordon Minute, which also has weird space creatures. <laughs> right. Uh, co-host of Escape from New York Minute, which has a lot of street-level type violence in New York, just like this. And incidentally, both Andy and Pete were guests on that show. Uh, I had the bridge. It was the <laughs> best. <laughs> uh, and then on uh, my, uh, I also the co-host of uh, the very hard-working podcaster Bubba Wheat. It's time to rewind his season of doing a memento scene by scene. I'm co-host there. And the, uh, once again, Andy and Pete, both guests were on there. Uh, and the MCU tie in here is that, uh, Guy Pierce is the star who of course would go on to be an Iron Man. Indeed. Indeed. Yes, he will. Yes. It, uh, will be a fun season talking about uh, him and everything going on with, uh, Iron Man. So should be fun. Well, check out all of those. Everybody will have the links in the show notes. We'll be back tomorrow with another guest for Minute 113. Uh, James Anderson and Colin Parker, in fact, the duo, are going to be joining us to talk about that one. Should be fun. So, uh, Pete, thanks as always. If I can handle it, Andy. Hero Minute tonight and another giant Hero Minute tomorrow. Oh, my. Oh, my God. (laughs) Until next time, true believers. Marvel Movie Minute is a production of True Story FM, engineering by Andy Nelson. This season's music is Message to the World by Anthony Vega, and this season's show art is by Winston Yabo. Find the show at truestory.fm, 
If your podcast app allows ratings and reviews, please consider doing that for our show.